Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Tired? Yeah. It's been a long semester. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey, how are you? We're doing well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. A little sleepy, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Final is this, stretch. Is this the last day that you have class with um, Coach? Yes, it is. So, wrapping up all the other assignments is for this um, for this semester, right, Catherine? Right, Patrick? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I don't have um, addictions with Coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, the other assignments I meant for Dr. Myers. Oh, yes. Yes. Trying to um, finish that um, adolescent case study paper. She extended the deadline to Friday of finals week, but I just want it done. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. You know, Dr. Benish always tells us that things add up you know towards the end that this last week always of every semester is is a little tough for all of us it is but But this this one feels a little more than than usual i think really (laughs) i'm gonna be ready for a long nap at the end of this next week (laughs) i might be joining a friend down in the outer banks so i'll just go and lay out on the beach and just sleep Mm-hmm. that's so nice that's that great sounds, that sounds so relaxing right now but yeah. you know in, in the midst of everything else I'm I'm kind of uh, glad we have this these last two chapters that we read and the movie that we're we watched for our last project because I think it was a welcome break from all the you, you know putting together and papers and all these other things that we've been we've been trying to to do so what did what did you all think of this week's reading? I liked it. I liked it. It was a good way to wrap up this book with like kind of give giving hope and also covering um like biracialness because they've talked <laughs> about you know both sides or uh, both sides of of the the two races they really focused on in this book and then um it it can leave people in the middle thinking like you know it's as hard as it is to to create those identities and to to reckon with those it's something that happens but with people who are in the middle it's like am i am i black am i white like am i you know what am i and and how do i relate like it is my family's culture more white, but I look more black. Like, how does that play out with social, with society? So, mm-hmm. I liked, I liked it. Yeah. What about you, Catherine? Yeah, it it was. Um, yeah, it, it's in, it was interesting, and um, I agree with a lot of what what Patrick said and I had wondered not to I don't ever want to put the two of you on the spot but um the whole time we were having this conversation about um race that was so focused on like black and white um what the two of you were 
um, thinking and may have experienced with um, racism um, outside of those um, like boundaries. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. That right way? Um, <laughs> I think, sorry, were you done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, for me, at least, it's more a focus on ethnicity. And so Mm -hmm. both Italian, my like Italian heritage and Colombian heritage are both very Latin. So it's kind of similar. I mean, they're definitely unique, but they they play together very well. And like when I interact with friends who are. Um, you know, from Lebanon, like it's, it's Middle Eastern. It's not like a brown person. It's like, because, because they're all like, just to say even European would be um, really broad because, you know, Germans are very different than uh, Italians and, you know, Spaniards. Um, But in America with people who have been here for generations, um, it seems to be a divide of they viewing themselves as their ethnicity being American, but then it's a subdivision of race of black and white or, or colored and, and white. And that is, um, I don't know. That's, that's different. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Oh yeah, it does. Yes, it does. It does. And um, Patrick, were you done? I don't want to speak over you. Yes, yes, I would. Um, you know, I'm. I can't. I thought I bookmarked it, and I'm going to ask you guys for help. Um, but in, I believe it was the first chapter where they were talking about the four um, responses to, um, like how um, people of different racial and ethnic backgrounds they either assimilate or they separate do you do you remember what i'm talking about i can't remember all four terms yeah. i had it bookmarked yeah. can you guide me to that because um... i will try to find it um but actually it reminded me of my neighbor who is from ghana and okay. um i know his kids who I've, I've hung out with a lot they talked about how like you know they have their culture of like african culture in their household <laughs> And it's uh, it's different than the the black culture of of America. And so even within yes. even within that race, there's differences based on where you live, whether that's southern blacks or northern blacks, whether that's um, if you've immigrated from from uh, Africa mm-hmm. uh, or a friend of mine in college was French, uh, French black and mm-hmm. That was a whole different thing for him. So um, I definitely think there's even little like, you know, subdivisions and subcultures within within that. Um, and yeah. the assimilation and like trying to like, like being labeled as like, are you like, you're not black. And it's like, well, you are black, but, mm-hmm. but you are not what, um, you know, American blacks, you know, see themselves as, or like, you you don't embrace, um, you know, black culture of America. So, it's, and you don't necessarily share a history. What you don't share a history like yeah. a history, common and history. It, and it goes back to the beginning where they talked about that girl like being like feeling like um, just because she was smart, like she wasn't, um, 
you know, she was like going against her race. Do you remember that section? I think it was like the mm-hmm. very first chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I found the page that I was, um, that I was asking you guys about. It's, on, it's at I the bottom. Of it. Yeah. It was on the bottom of page 244. And, and, you know, um, you mentioned Africa, Patrick. I think we all forget that Africa is a vast continent. It's made, it's Huge. not a country. Like, yeah. And I think we are all, at, I mean, I shouldn't say all, but most of us, we fall into this mental trap of just looking at Africa as if it were one, you know, monolith. And we forget that there are so many nuances and they are as varied in culture and in language and religion as any other place on the planet. And, you know, um, it's that's such an important thing to remember because um and and what Catherine said too they don't share the same history they might share the same skin color but Mm -hmm. they don't share the same history as what's um here and you know that's those are things that you can't just tell by looking at somebody you know and um race and physical characteristics ethnicity those are those are things we as human beings we're kind of like wired to just you know um look and make you know jump to a conclusion right our our you know whether or not it's a bias or whatever Mm -hmm. but it's just something that we do you know oh you know that's just how we talk we talk in adjectives and that's the first thing what what we see is we are first to remind um about right so go you know and and I and I really like how in these in this section in these two three chapters how she talks about um you know how change begins in the family and how we like how we should have better conversations with children not only just kids who are from biracial interracial mixed families colored families quote unquote but you know across the board and and I. I think we're we're getting there. We're improving. Um, look at our media now, where you know, it's there's rep- there's mm-hmm. more representation now than there was just until you know just up, up until uh, a couple of decades ago. That's a step in the right direction. Um, but then to have more you know intentional conversations with our children. And you know, having a sphere of influence, all that is is so important, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but going back to the the first um, chapter that we read, um, where they were talking about, you know, all the different, um, you know, there's more just there, there's more than just black and white, you know. Um, I this. This chapter really like resonated with me because I've you know lived through a lot of it. This whole um, cultural conflict of um, the four possible outcomes for coping with cultural conflict: assimilation, withdrawal, biculturalism, and marginalization. Um, I I've seen that. Like I can only speak for my you know for my own community, which I've always remained very close to. And a lot of that, you know, for me was because I felt uncomfortable stepping outside of it. You know, I felt 
I mean, I'm obviously I'm older than you guys. So like when I when I first um, started school, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, I was like, um, even though it was New York and it was a very diverse environment, but I was still like the only South Asian um, child at that time. We lost Catherine. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, there you are. Hey, Catherine, you back? <laughs> uh, something funky happened um, where it just kind of stopped recording. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, I well, could hear you the whole time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so what I was saying was, um, you know, so being like the only one in a group of so many people that were so diverse for me, you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't find anything to quote unquote latch onto, you know, like having cultural affinity is I think a very natural response when you're in a group. Um, you find somebody, you know, when you're young, especially when you're a child to find someone similar, you know, and not having that is, is really hard growing up. And, you know, from, from my own life experience, I don't think I ever really found, quote unquote, any friends until I actually went to college. And, and I just thought that was really interesting because um, the author talks about how a lot of um, uh, immigrant um, families you know, with completely different, different backgrounds in mind those kids are also saying the same thing, you know, like they, they found a lot of affinity and friendships and understanding um, awareness when they hit college, not before that. So, you know, it's, um, I thought that was very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to, I want to ask Patrick, Patrick, some, um, do you speak like, do, do you speak another language at home? No. Um, I kind of wish uh, my mom had spoken to me more in Spanish when I was younger, but I I can understand it and I can read it um, mm -hmm. generally, uh, but speaking it takes a little bit more thought. Okay. Mm -hmm. But like some of my, my family, um, like the, the family I went to for um, Thanksgiving over in, mm -hmm. um, in uh, Marietta, they... Mm -hmm. Uh, all speak Spanish at home, and their Spanish is significantly better than their English. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, I um, so that that was a, a trip of a lot of speaking Spanish and and almost all Spanish. But um, like I can survive like that, but it's mm -hmm. not at at home. Home, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Catherine, okay. when you were growing up, were you ever exposed to another language other than English? Not outside of school. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up with three different languages in, um, in the house. And I can I can speak three. But, wow. I, yeah, but like, you, you know, I can speak two plus English, all right? But like my grandparents, my my grandmothers they my both my mom's mom and my dad's mom they did not speak English so I was kind of forced to learn which was great because mm -hmm. to this day um so much of me is linked to to them and I really liked how you know the author says that languages she suggests that language is inextricably bound to identity and mm -hmm. 
you know, and how it is the, the carrier of our values and attitudes. And I feel that because I've lived through that experience, I can, I, I felt it more for the people that they're talking about in the book. And, you know, and, and that's something that I feel is going to come in, into, into play when we are, are dealing with folks from different cultures. And, and even if it's a language that we're familiar with, you know, because even English is spoken in different ways, right? There's so many, <laughs> there's so many uh, local ways of thing, saying things, you know, like, you know, there's Southern ways of saying things and Northern ways and, and stuff, right? So I feel like so much of our language is influenced by culture and vice, vice versa. So I thought that was an important reminder for, for us to, to take, into you know into the therapy room when we're when we're coming in um, contact with our future clients. Yeah, absolutely. It reminded me when um when I was in college, I worked at a summer camp um with it was a really um diverse um summer camp, and there were a lot of um children who um. Spanish was the language that they spoke at home exclusively, and they were um, completely fluent in English um, because they went to school, but um, Spanish was their first language and the language they spoke at home. And one of the things that we would do is like if we were, if I was disciplining a child, um, like if there was a discipline issue that was getting like really emotional, um, it was always better to um, like pull in um, someone who could speak with them in Spanish because they could understand everything Mm -hmm. that I was saying to them in English, but it, it was so much harder to like make that connection when it was emotionally Mm -hmm. charged in English. I don't know if that makes makes sense. sense. Like they could break through in Spanish. Um, in a way that I wasn't able to do with them in yeah. English. Communicating was, emotion yeah. so, is much more difficult in English. And um, honestly, there mm-hmm. are some words that don't have translations. And even if yes. they do, they're not great ones. Like, you really only know it. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even teach someone the word. You'd have to, like, it, this is really weird and might sound pretty fringe, but, like, you have to live it. Like, you hear the word attached to um, like describing real life situations and, and feelings. And that's how you learn the word versus like, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you mm-hmm. in English, like what it, I could tell you things that it's kind of like, but not like, that's what this means, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. And it's like that. Yeah. It's, um, it's like that in Urdu and also in, in Hindi. So even though the origins of both mm-hmm. of those languages are, a little bit different, but um, so Urdu, which is spoken in, in Pakistan, it's a lot more uh, formal and it's a lot more like literary, whereas like Hindi is um, a lot more conversational. So I can speak both because, and, and they're, they're both of their languages, the conversational part of it is there's a lot of overlap. So I, I can, I can pick up on the differences between an Urdu speaker and a Hindi speaker. Um, and 
um, because the way they pronounce the letters, but the meaning will always be the same. But for example, in both languages, there's like a bajillion different ways of saying love. And, you know, and, and love is a pretty common, you know, word. <laughs> and in English, I, I think I can only think of, you know, maybe two or three, like, love and affection. But like, I, you know, I mean, I would really, I'd struggle to come up with maybe, you know, 10 words how to, how to um, describe love, for example. And, and you know, it, it's very specific. The usage of those, those um, words are very specific. You know, um, there's like a love between two people, a love between a mom and a child, and or a parent and a child, a love between you know you and, and an elder. So like a lot of the the ways that language is expressed is through um, relations. You know, it's very relational. Like um, another example I can give is like in English. You know, an aunt is an aunt, an uncle is an uncle, right? But in like Urdu and Hindi, and also also in a couple of other Eastern languages, um, your your the word for your dad's brother is different than the word for your mom's brother. And if somebody mm-hmm. says either of those words, I know the I can draw the genogram in my head <laughs> just just based on what word they're using to describe the relationship of a So mm-hmm. you know, again, um, outside of the you know, the, the, the English language, you know, there are um, um, cultures and, and, you know, where the languages are very much tied to the relationships that we share with um, our families. And, and that might come up down the road, depending on, you know, who, who we see, um, you know, as our, as our clients. But, right. And, and even if that doesn't, you're right about having, a connection um, based on the, the language, you know, because it conveys so much more than, you know, than just meaning. It, it just, it just can convey some sort of, sort of um, I guess what I was saying earlier, um, cultural affinity, you always kind of, you know, mm-hmm. cling to what you, who you might think is similar to you, right? <laughs> So, yeah, and I think like on if you go to like page two fifty, it says right here that um, um, language language development as the concrete foundation of a building it makes sense that it needs to be strong to sustain the stress um, that would be um, placed on it, and it's it's true. So um, so cultures, different cultures, a lot of the times they like to. To, to stick to to their language as, as a as a mode of pres- preservation of their identity. Yeah, um, and it's definitely comforting to to hear people like who either speak that language or um, you know are um, heavily entrenched in that culture. So you know they mm-hmm. they have similar. Um, mannerisms or similar um, festivals and holidays and that's something that is um, it, it's kind of easy to, to bond over mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. similar with with like um, like family styles um, there's 
a clear difference between like um their stereotypical like uh hispanic family structure and the uh interactions boundaries and all that of an asian family or um you know it it sounds like stereotyping but there's there's something to be said for like there's there's different emphases on different things um in different families and for some that's um heavy on education and for some that's heavy on family and like family um responsibility and for some it's both um but that's also really driven in like culture and depending on how far back your parents grandparents etc were immigrants um that could be stronger or weaker Mm -hmm. Um, having strong um kinship i think you know and that's you know that's it was it's always um a, a mode of survival you know like that whole it takes a village you find that in a lot of cultures um, you know mm-hmm. outside of of um the US and and i think yeah I mean, patrick's right like it's not just isolated to um asian families you know but you do you do see that in a lot of like um south american and central American families as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, um, I liked how she talks about um, Native Americans because I feel that they are a group that is often overlooked. And, you know, I really liked um, that the whole section on. Um, on how she addressed like the issues of, of Native Americans. What did, what did you think about it? I like it because I am glad it's getting talked about. Just, mm-hmm. just that fact is important because um, they so often get left behind in this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad because they they have suffered so much and um, it hasn't been until recently that they've really had some significant um, wins, one of which was re- uh, very recently when yes. they um, had one of their treaties upheld by the Supreme Court against the recommendation of states and the federal government, which is um, really says something about about that whole situation. You know, they've they've pretty much had every single treaty broken um like pretty pretty soon after it was made and so um the the ability to trust in in the United States federal government is is has dwindled and this is something that this is a win that they they needed um mm-hmm. it's not a big win but it's a it's you know it's a step in the right direction mhm yeah, it kind of. It, it kind of. Sorry, go ahead, Catherine. No, no, no. Say what you were gonna say because I'm not quite sure where I was gonna go. And <laughs> I was just gonna say that it, I, you know, like I, it made me sad to hear that they were 
um, the like the, they live in poverty more than any other racial group, um, and that's you, you know again I didn't I didn't think that I I, I just didn't really you know I never. First of all, we don't really sit there and think about a lot of these things because we're, you know, we're we're privileged. We're removed from all of this, you know. We're, but I just didn't, I just didn't think about that, and that that made me really, you know, that made me really sad. Like how marginalized is this community, and you know, we forget, we forget that they they had such that you know the indigenous people they had such a um, tumultuous history, and we don't really even know. There was no census back in 1492. You know, <laughs> you know, we don't know how many millions and millions of people were 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 here. And you know, the book also pointed out that like about 90 percent of them were probably lost to epidemics and um, and like military things that were going on, just just lost to violence, and how much their numbers were were reduced mm -hmm. you know, so again another another group that um has kind of been made invisible culturally over time mm -hmm. yeah um even like without the the massacres and the the premeditated um you know wiping out of of that group of people um the diseases really i mean they ran through those those communities mm -hmm. because they'd never encountered um mm -hmm. some of those pathogens before and mm -hmm. so it it made that especially deadly and um yeah mm -hmm. they're Oh, no, 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 you're good. Oh, I was going to say something that I learned because Shazia, Patrick, and Chris, and Quentin, and Connor um, did a project for Dr. Meyer's class um, mm -hmm. looking at health disparities and like mental health disparities in um, the Native American population. And something that I learned was that it wasn't just the it was there was diseases, but they were intentionally used to wipe out um, the Native American population. Like they were used, like the diseases were used as weapons. Oh yes, the, sm the smallpox blankets that were gifted mm -hmm. to different tribes um, absolutely wiped out entire tribes of of Native Americans um, mm -hmm. and. The, the colonizers didn't have to do much. I mean, they were already having smallpox, and all they had to do was gift the the blankets under the guise of of um, you know friendliness, and um, then they got to take more land. It's mm -hmm. it is a tragic history, um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Sure. I think they get left out of this conversation often because um, one, the, the percentage of native Americans who live on reservations and uh, not in 
you know, big cities having these types of conversations or um, I think there's a number of reasons. That's one of them. But um, yeah, I think it's about time that, that they got their, their share of, of recognition for what's happened to them. And, and we start to fix that because there are clear problems with that. Um, I know Mm -hmm. the Redskins are changing their name, their name. I was going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. They, they haven't uh, publicly picked a new one, partly because some guy went around um, trademarking possible names for when they did change like 10 years ago. Wow. Um, Yeah. And you can't just trademark it like to have it, have value and be able to like have a claim to that name you have to trademark it and then like build a brand around it so he has like six or seven trademark names that he has been selling merchandise for and so technically they are brands that the redskins would have to buy um wow that's and kind of it's very skinny Yes, very devious too. Okay, so he knew it was coming, but he he didn't stop it, you know, because like like he could have stopped it, right? But he chose to capitalize on it. Yeah, Uh I mean, yeah, he heard rumors that they were like, they've been thinking about this for like a while now. And every time that it became like a big deal and like a new name would come out, he'd go off trade market and start like making a website and selling, selling gear. So he... (laughs) He owns he owns the names like what the the Washington Americans the Washington Warriors the he he's got like six or seven of them that are oh apparently all top picks for what they they want to they want to use. <laughs> so I I'm not really into a lot of sports so I don't really care so much. Um, we watch the halftime show at the Super Bowl once a year and that's about that's about <laughs> my in sports okay but like. Isn't um what's FSU? Isn't aren't they the Seminoles? They're there. They've got another yeah, thing coming up too. They're mm-hmm. the Seminoles. I I think that's more respectful though. The Seminoles is is a tribe. tribe. The, the, the Atlanta is, Braves. Is like if you Atlanta were saying, Braves. I mean the the Redskins is almost if you were saying like you know the Washington Negroes. Like yeah, it is a. It's a slur. I mean, it's it's definitely not as bad as the N word, but it's yeah. it's not a great thing to, you know. Yeah. It, it, when that when that when that term originated, it wasn't a term of endearment. Yes. Right. You no, know, I, I I get it. But I'm glad that that change is being talked about, though, because it's, it's more. It's about time. It's about time we extend all of that. And you know, like, so a few years ago we went to to the Grand Canyon, and uh, before that we had gone to Alaska. And you know, there is um, a large or a larger population of uh, Native Americans um, in both of those places, and they had a lot of like they had like a song and dance show. And, you know, it's beautiful. It's so rich. It, it's so spiritual. And, and, like, it carries so much meaning. But I swear, I felt guilty for being there because I'm paying money to watch something that is sacred. You know, like, I should be mm-hmm. there without 
the commercial aspect of it. I should I should go there and and like learn about their culture without having somebody you know monetize the whole ex- experience. I don't like that. I because I, if that was done, to, yeah. You know, it's not like we're going to a museum. It's like really, you know. But it's <laughs> I, it's I, definitely I, hard in a in a capitalist society, yes. like you know, and especially like um, after all that's been done to them, they're just trying to to capitalize on whatever they can, like with their, um, you know, between that and the the casinos, like yeah. them them having separate um, rights for for their land. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, in this world, or I won't say in this world, in this country, um, that is what's important. And it's, it's good and bad. Um, and I think one of the good things is that corporate responsibility is really becoming big now. Um, mm-hmm. One, uh, whether or not it's because of public image, uh, the, 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 name change of the Redskins was really driven by um, their sponsors who basically said you need to change the name or we're, we're dropping our ties with you and you have to take our, our name off your your um, your stadium um, because and then with, with um, the whole Facebook thing and places stopping doing ads with them until they you know take some responsibility for what's being posted on there on their site. Um, I think, I think that, um, oh, I'm trying to word this correctly. Let's see. I think that companies need to have some sort of responsibility to, uh, better the, their communities and the bigger the company active community. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's a large responsibility. I just think it's like, like you hear all of the like um, the New York style like Italians like just do the right thing. That's all you got to do. Just do the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's not hard. Um, when when it when it comes to a choice of of being like greedy and doing the right thing, yeah, like you might not always always win, but look at Patagonia. They are like they're the only company I allow to like I put my actual email in, uh, not my junk email. Because I want to hear what they have to say. I they are always doing something for the environment, for um, you know the betterment of different causes. They the between the way they they source their um, ingredients for their food, supporting local farmers and um, sustainable like farming, um, where they get their their materials for their clothes is ethically sourced i just i love them as a company and i think that that is that goes to show that you can be a successful company without having to um you know root around in the mud mm-hmm. yep i yeah. think um you know i'm going, going to what Kath, um what uh patrick was saying right now um one of the um, one of the chapters in the book begins with ones I have it written, written down here that as a society we pay for a price for our silence. Unchallenged mm-hmm. personal, cultural, and institutional racism results in the loss of human potential. And yes, so at a corporate level, to understand that, and you know, to 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 kind of make the change at the top, 
it it has like it becomes that corporate corporation's culture and that's you know um it becomes your identity when you go to work and that same identity that person you know i i i don't think that that person would whoever works in that environment would forget you know i think that 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 person you know worker there would embody those principles and would try to share them with the people that they come into into contact with and hopefully it's like a ripple effect it kind of spreads to others and and I, and i i think that's where some you know the change begins at at the the top at the dominant culture you know to kind of um embody and embrace um the not so dominant cultures and you know my, the the minority and so take that moving forward to affect the, the change for you know for for the betterment of society Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to swim against the stream. So hopefully mm-hmm. this change is going to be uh, look like maybe a trickle to a stream to um, a river of its own going the right mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. Um, as more and more people and companies kind of jump on, um, whether or not it's for the right reasons, as long as they're moving in the right direction and uh, public discourse can maintain um, its, its, you know, steady uh, momentum, then I think uh, it's tragic what happened to George Floyd, but the change that we're seeing now is um, it's verging on real and permanent. And that is what's important. But I do think that there are people and um, companies that are kind of jumping on just to sound like they're doing something, you know, like a company that tweets, we stand with Black Lives Matter and this and that, but then they don't actually do anything with policy and like um, structure. Um, I think that's wrong and that needs to be called out more like the... Like Lady Antebellum, the country. Oh my gosh, yes. Who's changing their name. This is a total, like, they're only doing this because it puts them in the spotlight, it gets them attention. um, Because they're, yeah, they're changing their name. Like, okay, but now they're also suing a black artist um, who's been singing under that name for the past 10 years because they want to use that name. No way. I miss that. Really? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they want to change their name to Lady A now so that they can okay. drop the antebellum. Uh-oh. Yeah. I, I heard but, about that and I was like, wow, kudos. That's that's a good move. I didn't know about this lawsuit. That That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah they, had a, they had a Zoom call with her and everything looked to be going well. And then as soon as they found out some of the nitty gritty details of, um, you know, how she, she hasn't like technically trademarked this she's only been using this but she has no like legal well she has a legal right to it but she has no legal documentation right to this name mm-hmm. um they were like oh we have more money so we are going to sue you in court to take that name from you Goodness. and that's like okay at this point like like that's wrong <laughs> you're in yeah. the wrong well you were and- you were better off with the the previous name and leaving this woman alone then um you know it's it's like it's i don't know it just seems so greedy to me 
Well, it is, it is so, it's so greedy and it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like if you're going to go out of your way to change your name, to make a statement and, and like to capitalize on that statement um, for looking like you're doing the right thing. Like, why would you turn around and then like do something even worse? Yeah, very short-sighted yeah. and yeah, not and and mean-spirited. All right, the, 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 their heart, heart is not in the right place with that move. So, right, right. It's one thing to be ignorant. Um, it's a whole other thing to be kind of knowingly malicious. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna um change gears here a little bit Um, I liked the there was one um let's see about yeah about how you you know I think it was addressing teachers in, in particular um if you're a parent what conversations have you had with your children about these issues Mm-hmm. So mine are older and I've had these conversations. What about you guys? Have you, I mean, I know you're, you're a new mom. Do you think about what you're going to teach James? I do. I don't really have any answers, but I think about it a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love, I would love advice if you have it. Well, you know, um, let me hear what Patrick has to say. Patrick, do you think about in the future, like, how would you, you know, try to um, impact young people? Um, I think just pointing out areas of, of difference as you see them. I liked how she did that in her, um, in like the beginning chapters where they would watch TV and she'd point things out. I think I would, I would do that. Um it's not so different than what like, you know, my dad being the always on point lawyer that he is like just watching shows with him is always like, Oh, did you see that? Like, you know, um, that button wasn't buttoned a second ago. Or like, have you noticed that? (laughs) Have you noticed that all of the, all of the executives are, you know, white haired white men? Um, You know, have you noticed in this show that this and it's like, no, I, I haven't noticed any of these things um, because I'm definitely not paying attention to the level that you are. Um, but I think that's important to, to talk about is the, the messages that we're internalizing, but we're not seeing. Mm-hmm. So that that I think is important. And also. um you know, having the discussions, like talking about the injustice and not being afraid to talk about it. Like it, it shouldn't be a taboo subject mm-hmm. um, because when it becomes taboo to talk about it, that's mm-hmm. when um, change gets stopped because mm-hmm. it's it's too risque to to instigate change because that would be going against status quo. And mm-hmm. status quo says we don't talk about this and acknowledge it. it's wrong, but we don't talk about it. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, the, the author kind of addresses that too, that, you know, if you're a change agent, keep going because it's a long and tiring job, but to have a, a genuine, a genuine um, commitment to, to changing, you know, um, 
the narrative about racism, it's a lifelong commitment. And, you know, looking back in, in all the years that I've parented and all the years that I will continue to, to parent, I've realized that, yeah, you have to talk about this. And so many times, you know, um, my, my kids teach me too. So I've always left the conversation, you know, bi-directional because I, I learn, I mean, I, I'm, I'm humble enough to say that, look, I'm, I'm, I can learn from you just as much as I would like to teach you, you know, you, you guys need to teach me too. So, cause I don't know, I don't know, um, what they're feeling or what they're dealing with in, in a lot of, um, of the local schools, especially in response to the whole protests and the BLM movement. And you know, that happened just a few weeks ago. Um, a lot of these schools have social media pages that talk about um, being black at so-and-so school, you know, um, and, and a lot of anonymous stories are coming out. Um, you know, things that teachers have said, things that other students and faculty have have said to, you know, people of, of color, different backgrounds. And I'm just, I'm shocked, you know, and I'm, I'm having a lot more of these conversations with my kids now because of what they're hearing. But it's not like we didn't have them when they were growing up. So, you know, yeah. Um, talking about things, um, finding books that have, um, you know, characters that they can relate to, even if they appear to be different, if there is a personal characteristic that the character in the book has, yeah, you know, it's, it's something to, to, to link yourself to. <laughs> it really it really helps with them um, with, you know, meaningful dialogue. Yeah. There's a, there's an album called free to be you and me that mm-hmm. my mom introduced mm-hmm. me to. It was like mm-hmm. one of her favorite albums and her mom's favorite albums. And it's all about like, like just, you can be whatever you want to be. And it really, ch- it, it's a really early example of like um, this woman just challenging, um, the the uh like national discourse on like oh like women can do this and that and so no you can do you want to be a firefighter like go for it be a firefighter um Mm -hmm. and i think that's important i think just um really driving that home of like what does a computer engineer look like it looks like a human being it could be you know a white male it could be a black female it could be you know it's it's whatever you want it to be and i think that's important because it kind of goes along with that um teaching that uh that not what's the opposite of fixed not the fixed mentality but the um growth the growth mentality Uh, yeah uh of like you know you're not intelligent or unintelligent like it's on this one assignment you didn't do well, but you can do well on the next one. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's important for teaching kids is that that growth mindset of, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're you're not born a certain way. Um, you might be born, you know, more inclined to some things than others. You might be 
born a little bit, you know, more well off in the sports area than the, um, than the school section, but it doesn't mean you can't put in the effort and like drive yourself there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I know we've hit time. And so the last thing I'm going to say is, um, what I really liked in the final pages of our reading, um, they talked about how there's um, a Institute for Racial Reconciliation at the University of Mississippi. Um, I really like their vision statement because it really, um, it's very telling, you know, envisioning a world where people honestly engage in their history in order to live more truthfully in the present, where the inequities of the past no longer dictate the possibilities of the future. You know, I like that because I think um, it's very important to remember that in in like today's America, in like last week's news headline America, you know, where when we're when we're um, we need to acknowledge our history. We need to 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 acknowledge that close the chapter, you know, and move on so that we can embrace a better and brighter future for um, all the different communities that really make us still the greatest country in the world on, you know, I mean, like think about it. <laughs> um, but we have all these opportunities and for them to be shared equitably is something it's, it's an ongoing process, whether or not we achieve it all the way. I don't know, but we have to try, you know, that, that continuum has to be there. Yes. This has been a good talk. Um, yes. Yes. I'm so used to saying I'm I'll gonna... see you guys next week, but this is oh my it. God. <laughs> this is it. This has been a fun project. Yeah. I'm going to miss discuss, discussing all these ideas with, with my friends every week. <laughs> yeah. I know. No, it's been so fun. All right. Well, all right. goodbye. Signing out for the last time. Yes, take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.